Good morning, everyone. Maybe it's afternoon or evening where you are. This is Buzz on Book Biz. And today we are going to talk about children's books. My guest is Ariel Hoy. She's previously been an elementary teacher and she is a five-time award-winning author and the owner of Orange Blossom Publishing. She's an editor, speaker, consultant, and the executive vice president for the Florida Writers Association. She's also the author of a book called The Complete Revision Workbook for Writers and children's books titled Grumbler, Joyride, Pling's Party, and Sixth Sunday. Uh, she's the editor of an anthology series called How I Met My Other and the creator of the Focus Journal line of journals. She was also honored with the President's Award from the Florida Writers Association in 2020. Welcome, Ariel. Oh, thank you so much for having me. That is an impressive list of accomplishments. That you <laughs> thank <have>. you. <laughs> so I have not actually had a podcast guest on Buzz on Book Biz to talk about children's books before. So you're the first one. And I'm so pleased we will get to dive into this with you. So first of all, tell us how you became a writer and publisher of children's books. Well, um, I actually started out um, writing for adults. And, you know, I'd always wanted to be um, a children's author when I was um, when I was in college. I really I realized that that's something that I really wanted to do. But it was something I just kind of put on the back burner. Um, and then I got into writing. Uh, when I wasn't teaching, um, I was at home. Uh, I was a stay-at-home mom, but I wanted, you know, kind of a hobby, something to do. And I started writing and really enjoyed it. Um, and the more I got into it, the more I realized that I wanted to do a career change um, and do this as a business. So as that process was going on, um, and I thought, oh, I'm going to write for adults. I'm not going to write for kids. I'll write for adults. And then, of course, what happens? A um, An idea just hit me, smacked me right in the head. Um, and I realized that I didn't know how to write for kids um, because I knew how to write for adults. And I would do what a lot of people do, which is to put children's characters or make animals the characters in a story but the style was written for adults and I didn't know how to adjust my writing style for children um so I ended up doing um a year mentorship with Gloria Rothstein um who wrote Sleep a Sheep and many many others she's a wonderful children's author um and she was incredible she helped me so much um that first story that first idea ended up not being the one which is fine. It was a great exercise for me to learn. Um, and I, uh, through that whole mentoring process, I came up with the idea for Grumbler. And that's the book that I ended up being my first children's book um, that I that I loved. So I kind of, you know, stumbled into it accidentally, even though, you know, at some point in time, I thought this is what I wanted to do. Um, so once I got into it and I learned about writing children's books, and it's definitely a different technique, a writing technique, um, that that I loved it. And I love working with illustrators. So um, once I got into it, I was like, oh, yes, I do want to do this. This is what I want to do. And I'm glad this idea came to me. So that's kind of how I started. Okay. Well, uh, tell us about Rumbler. And tell us what you learned about how it's different to write for children's books. Um, that's a wonderful question. Um, the first thing um, is I had to learn to write um, 
um, I don't want to say terse, but no, no fluff. Absolutely no fluff. You have 500 words um, to write your, you know, your children's story. It's 32 pages for a children's picture book. And I really wanted to um, make sure I did everything right. I wanted to make my book look like it was traditionally published. Um, so I went through a lot of editing. And, uh, you know, there's so many uh, things that are different. Um, I learned that you don't put any description in. Um, any visual description because it's redundant because it's in the pictures. Um, so I just take all that out. And then I learned you can't, you know, you can't have too much action because that doesn't go well with page turns. You have to think about how you break the story and do page turns. Um, and then also picking for me, uh, because I was um, publishing my own book, um, uh, instead of going with a big publisher, I was able to choose my illustrator because if you go with a big publisher, they choose the illustrator. Um, and I was able to kind of scour the internet and which is just so fun looking for illustrators. I just love children's art so much. I love illustrators. Um, and I had to find one and just the whole process of matching the illustrator to the tone of the story. Um, so for Grumbler, it's about, it's a grumpy character. Um, I love stories with grumpy characters. You know, the Grinch, the Bad Seed. Um, we have Pig the Pug, Frankenstein. Um, kind of like bad, you know, main characters. And so I made, I, made, I created this grouch and I thought, what was the worst thing that could happen to a grouch? Um, and, it, and for me, I thought, you know what? What if you got love stuck to him, right? Because that's going to be the opposite of crouchiness is all this love. And then I uh, pictured it as the love is almost like characters where they get stuck to him and they refuse to leave. And then when he tries to give it away to other characters in the book, what happens when you give love away is you get more back. So he ends up being just covered in all this love and it's just this mess. Um, but he realizes that, you know, he was always lived alone in the dump. Um that he realizes all these forest animals are now with him in the dump. They've followed him. They're, they care about him. And he's not alone anymore. And he lets the love sink in and he has a transformation. So it's about sharing love and accepting love from others. Um, and so for me, I had to find artwork that was had a tone of loving, but also humor. Um, so there was that process. Um, and so just by doing my first book, I learned so much about the craft, the publishing end, and working with illustrators. Um, and it was just a whole learning process that I, I, it was stressful at times, but I overall learned a lot and really enjoyed it. Oh, so I'm very curious about this notion that you can't have description because it's redundant, but then what, how does your illustrator know what your, you know, if you're talking about a tree, how do you, you know, and you're thinking of a pine tree and your, your illustrator thinks it's a palm tree. Like, how do you figure that out? <laughs> That's a great question. So the first question I would have is, does it matter? Does it matter if it's a pine tree or a palm tree in the story? Um, because for me, and this is a little a little um, scary for some people, I actually don't put in any picture notes at all. I write my story without any description or picture notes because I, when you find the right illustrator, what you are doing is you are trusting them to interpret the story in their style and that you like their style. So I handed Grumbler over. I didn't say what Grumbler looked like. I didn't say all that was in there was, was that he lived in the dump and then he goes to a forest where there's animals. But other than that, it was totally open for Marina, the illustrator, to mm -hmm. interpret it because that um, illustrators prefer when they get more freedom on a project to really... Uh, jump in and make it their own and put their put their own kind of um, 
voice into it, which is why finding illustrators so important. So for me, um, the way that Marina interpreted it, she made it so Grumbler kind of, he definitely looks like he belongs in the dump. And the favorite thing of everyone when they when they talk about the book is what is Grumbler? Because you can't tell what he is. He is his own thing. Is he a rock? Is he a trash bag? Some people said he looks like a mushroom. Um, is he, you know, like what is he? Because he just looks like this dirty ball thing with, with this broken colander on his head. Um, but when I saw it, I'm like, oh, that's perfect. He lives in the dump. That is a perfect character. And I saw the character that she created in the world she created. And it was incredible. It was so much better than what I imagined. So you have to find an illustrator that you can really trust. Uh, because illustrators, you have to kind of put the shoe on the other foot, you know, switch positions. If someone gave you a writing project and they said, I want you to write a story about, you know, a man who goes to the grocery store, meets the love of his life. And that's all you have. Or do you want um, to write a story where someone tells you, I want them to go to the grocery store. I want it to be this grocery store. I want this to be in the aisles. I want this to be here. I want this person to be there. I want that. I want that. I want that. You as a creative, which one do you want to do more? The one where there's less direction, you can put your own spin on it, right? Right. That's what illustrators like too. They like to be able to put their own imprint on things um, and be creative. So for me, I find an illustrator that I can trust and that I let them interpret my work and then I see the images and I get to, I have input. It's not just like they give me the art and that's it. Um, so for example, there was one scene that Marina drew and in her mind, so Grumbler lives inside of a trash hill that has like dirty diapers in it. And, you know, cause kids think dirty diapers are hysterical. So of course I had to put that in there. Um, so it has, you know, it's just this gross drippy trash hill. Um, and so at one point he goes inside of his trash hill. And in her mind, she visualized that it was like a real house inside the trash hill. So there's a scene in a bathroom and it has like tiles on the wall and tiles on the floor and it looks like a regular bathroom. So, but for me, when I was flipping through, in my mind, I was like, oh no, it's it's a trash hill. He does not have a nice house. He lives in a drippy trash hill. <laughs> so there is no tiled walls. It's gross. Um, if anything, there's walls made of garbage, you know? So her and I kind of, once I explained that, she was like, oh, I get it. And she changed the setting. So there's stuff like that where it didn't make sense. But otherwise, I try not, I try to be hands-off because I find that this is also me as a publisher. I do this with my writers. Um, creatives work best when you let them do their thing um, and let them, you don't micromanage and dictate to them. So I will give some guidance, some general guidance. You know, for example, I'll say, hey, um, your subplot needs work. Um, you need to, you know, probably add some more conflict in there to make it more interesting. And that's all I'll say. You have to go figure it. You go figure it out what's best for you. Um, so that's kind of what I found that, that works the best is the least direction. Let them do their thing and then communicate afterwards once you see what they've created. Um, if that that's makes so sense. interesting because I, yeah, I always totally think of, as a writer myself, I have in order for me to have written the story, I have, I've had a vision in my head about this story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I probably have some pretty set ideas about the visual that inspired me to write the story. And if I handed this over to an illustrator who came up with a very different vision and look than the one that inspired me, 
how would I react to that? <laughs> I don't know. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because um, there are going to be surprises. I will be honest. Um, because in my mind, when I was picturing Grumbler, he was furry. Um, but Marina, didn't. he's not furry at all in her version. Uh, and I had to kind of adjust for a second the first time I saw she sent me a character sketch. And the first time I saw it, I just kind of had to kind of adjust uh, because it wasn't what I pictured. But it was actually better because what I was picturing was a generic kind of Bigfoot, right? Or like like Oscar from Sesame or, or something. Yes, right. <laughs> and that character's been done, hasn't it? Right. That <laughs> so that's why it, it like when she sent me something totally new at first, I'm like, whoa. But then I realized she's made something even better because he's his own thing. He's not this, you know, amalgamation of characters I've already seen, you know, that that the yeah. Bigfoot or the Oscar or whatever that we've seen. He's his own thing. Um, and that's why on the cover, it's just him right on the cover looking at you with a grumpy face because, and you see that he's his own thing. Um, so yes, it there, there can be times when you're like, oh, I don't know. Uh, but you have to kind of digest, like, sit back, take a few days and really think, you know, does this artwork reflect the tone and the theme of the story? Um, and that's why picking the right illustrator is important. Like wow. you need to make sure you pick the right one. <laughs> Fascinating. Okay. So, so you wrote your own book, you've self-published on Amazon, I'm guessing. How did you transition into becoming a publisher as well? Right. Um, once I got into the publishing end, I had an idea for, um, so I kind of started out with the adult stuff, kind of, there's two tracks I was on, the adult and the children's, and I started out with the adult stuff doing um, anthologies, and I really enjoyed um, the teamwork that went into an anthology, and uh, putting in short stories, and just, it was, the group was so excited, so I wanted to do one, I had a, I had a really good idea, I'd, I'd always loved um, talking to people and hearing a couple, married couples and hearing how they got together. Um, I love those stories. And so I thought, let me do an anthology of true love stories. Because um, sometimes the stories are so much better than, you know, the standard TV stuff that just the hallmark formula, right? <laughs> so I did that. I um, I did that anthology and I realized I really enjoyed the publishing end. Um, and I and I said, okay, I, I think I want to do this. You know, this is where my brain was shifting, career shift. I think I really want to do this. And I would love to be a small press. But let me really take my time because if I decide to do this, I want to be successful. I want to do it long-term and I want to do it right. Um, so I spent several years um, publishing my things, just honestly making mistakes on my things and learning. Like I've done everything under the sun where I've done print on demand. I've done offset printing. I have been with, I've done everything myself. Uh, now I have a distributor. Um, I've done, you know, like all, just everything. I tried all kinds of stuff just to see, you know, what works, all these different marketing things, different publishing things, different ways to print books, different ways to market books. Um, and in the meantime, I was promoting my brand. Um, everything had my logo on it, even though it was my stuff. Um, and I kept up with my newsletter and I was doing, I did a lot of speaking events and, um, people knew that I was going to open up to outside submissions. And so I, I uh, got to the point where I realized that I liked publishing more than writing, actually. Um, so I actually don't write for adults much anymore. I will do like writing craft books and stuff like that, but um, like a fiction book, fiction, you know, like a novel. Um, I won't do that much anymore. Um, 
I, but I love the children's books. I'm still sticking with those because those are just my fave. Um, so I, I just realized I really love the publishing. And, and then what happened is because I'd spent all these years building up and letting people know, yes, I'll open up. I'm not ready yet. Not ready yet. When I did open up for outside submissions, I got a, I got a huge surprise because I thought I was going to get like, you know, Steve, the neighbor wrote, wrote some book or wrote some screenplay that he thought, you know, it was just, you know, someone who with no experience that, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but what happened is I got flooded with submissions. I instantly got about, you know, the day that I opened up, I got about a hundred submissions in, um, which was like, holy, holy guacamole. That's like crazy. Um, and then I also, my other big surprise was the, the quality of the submissions. I was getting authors who'd been agented and were done with with be you know the traditional industry like the big publishers, I was getting people who had won all awards, people who had bunches of book pu- books published by other presses, just some really established authors, and I was just shocked that I was getting these really quality books. Um, and so that's been my challenge is uh, sustainable growth. <laughs> so I had <laughs> to, I had to think, I you know like I I just. It was too much work for me, um, and I had to bring on some people. So now I have an intern and a PA who help me uh, with things. Um, and if things keep growing, I'll have to, you know, have them full time. Um, so it's growing. I'm excited. I signed. I've had about 16 authors that I've signed. Um, that's been wonderful. So that's kind of. I, I just kind of went in, kind of gently worked my way into it, and I'm really enjoying it, and just trying to manage the workload. <laughs> So I'm curious as to why these previously published authors were leaving their publisher to come to you, the new right. kid on the block. What what's behind that? The new that? kid on the block. That's right. Um, <laughs> there's a few reasons. Um, number one, it's a personal connection because it's me, um, and I. One of the things that I do when I'm looking for submissions is also someone that I can form a relationship with. Because um, I view it as a team. We are a team with this book. This is our book. This is not your book. This is not my book. This is our book together. I am going to be rooting for this just as much as you, if not more. Um, uh, we're both going to market together. We're going to work on editing together. We're going to, you know, it's a team. And people, you know, kind of like that, that that teamwork. And I, and I you know, I work really hard to have good working relationships with my authors, um, so that they feel comfortable being truthful with me and I can be truthful with them. So if something's not working or maybe, you know, gosh, sometimes I'll put, throw down some money for a marketing initiative and it doesn't work. And I have to sit there and tell the author that and be like, oh, shoot, our numbers didn't go up, even though I did, this. you know, so just that being able to communicate. Um, also I have really open, like my contract is, there's no hidden anything in it. There's no, you know, I don't go after authors' rights. Authors, you know, keep the rights to their work. All I get is print rights. I'm not going after the rights for series or characters or international or whatever. Um, it's just print rights. And and I have, because I am kind of, um, it's me and I, I, I don't have a huge staff and just the way that I, I manage things, I'm able to give authors a higher percentage um, on their royalties. Um, so it's, I think they want more of a, a better experience because sometimes when you go with other presses, you're just another author, you're in their huge list and there's no personal connection. There's no, 
you know, feeling mm-hmm. like a team, whether you're both worth, you know, authors, some authors feel like they do all the marketing and they don't get any help from their publishers and pub- there's disorganization or communication or project management, um, that type of thing. And also, you know, there's so many, they just get burned out with um, kind of being part of the machine, you know? And, and so it's, uh, it's true. When you go to small press, I don't have as many opportunity, you know, marketing opportunities as, a, as, you know, Simon and Schuster, obviously. Um, but I do have, you know, I do have a distributor and I do have, other, you know, like I have more, a good publisher needs to do more for you than what you can do by yourself. Um, that's, you need to earn, you know, I feel like I need to earn my, my percentage. Right. Um, so that's why that's another kind of element there that my mindset is different because I came up as an author because I've, I've also done every single step of the process. So if you ask me a question about formatting or any, you know, whatever, I know how to answer that. I know how to, to talk about graphics and cause I've done each, each, you know, phase, even though I hire freelancers now, cause I can't do all of it myself. I know how to do all of it. So, so it's that knowledge also too, that it's uh-huh. not just, you know, you speak to this department, this department, this department, it's you just come to me and, and, and we'll talk about whatever your question uh-huh. or issue is. Cool. So, so let's get back to the uniqueness of children's books and mm-hmm. there's unique challenges that you were mentioning I, at the very beginning, understanding the page turn and uh, keeping all the fluff out and minimal description to let the illustrations do that. So what advice would you give to a writer who's just starting down the path of writing books for children? Um, So probably the first um, thing would be um, study some recently published uh, children's books. Um, When I say recently published, I mean within the last five years. Um, because sometimes people will refer to books that are older, um, and that's not the current trend. Trends have shifted because um, you have to remember if you are making a book to sell to others, you are making a product and you need to understand the market. So the market has shifted in that um, children are aging out of picture books earlier than previously. So picture books are aged um, two to six. You can stretch it a little bit. Um, you know, to maybe eight, but uh, this is for uh, like fiction and shorter, you know, books. Uh, nonfiction does not count. If you're writing a nonfiction book about, you know, spiders, of course, the word counts totally different. Um, so I'm referring to like stories. Um, and um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, I was saying picture books. Hold on. Anyway, um. Hold on. Oh, wait. What, okay. What was the question? Because I, I was thinking and I lost it. <laughs> what would you <laughs> say to people that are just starting down the yes, road? Yes, thank you. Sorry. Thank <laughs> you. We're just starting. So I would say read books that are in the last five years um, because you want to see how the sentence structure is. The sentences are shorter. Um, think about word choice. You have to be deliberate with your word choice. Um, and probably the best thing I could tell you is to read your story out loud. Um, because these picture books are different in that they are designed to um, be read orally um, and for and, and they're for children. So 
they need to be fun. The language needs to be fun to read out loud because children will repeat things that are fun from a book. So read it out loud. Um, see how it sounds. Is Are there fun words to say out loud? Does it flow easily? Is there any place where you stumble on your words? That, okay, you need to edit that part. Um, and the other thing I would say, and this might be a follow-up question, it would be not to write and rhyme. Um, that is kind of um, the number one, um, I don't want to say mistake, but number one thing that new people do who are new to children's writing, they think it has to be written rhyme or they want to write in rhyme and they don't understand what that really, what that undertaking really is. Um, so I say, do not write in rhyme for your first book. <laughs> what? You mean you can't try and be the next Dr. Seuss? Like what? Right. <laughs> um, you can, it's going to require a significant, do you want me to go on about rhyme? Cause I can, I can talk about it. Okay. Okay. Sure. Um, so oftentimes, um, uh, people will think that just the last words have to rhyme in your sentences. And that's not what writing a rhyming picture book is. Um, you have to write it in poetic meter um, with predictable beats and with the syllables, with the beats in the correct places, mm -hmm. and also with certain sounds that read out loud correctly. So it's almost, you are writing poetry. It's a poem that you are writing and it needs to be metered. Um, so what happens is people, you know, they don't realize that and they won't do any kind of meter, but if you, um, I would really recommend studying Lindley Dodd. Um, she's an Australian, um, children's book author, her, um, her books, she has the Harry, uh, Harry McClary series, um, go and, and, and buy one of her books and just break all the rules. It's okay. I, I was a teacher. I'm giving you permission to write in the book, write in the book and actually sit there and tick off where you hear the beats, count the beats, find the pattern, see how she uses certain syllables and certain sounds when it's nighttime. She, there's soft sounds like S's and shh in her words. And when there's exciting things going on, there's a lot of stop sounds like t and k and things like that because that gets your attention more. So it's a, it's a combination of beats and sounds and rhythm when you write with rhyme. So if you want to undertake it, please jump right in, but just, you know, know that it's going to be a significant amount of study and work to do it. That's why I usually say, don't do it for your first book. Um, just get, get a book under your belt. So you know, the process, because I will tell you revising rhyme is the hardest thing you will ever do when you're revising a children's picture book written in rhyme. It's a nightmare. <laughs> it's so hard. Uh, it can be done, but it's really hard. <laughs> uh, okay. Seen a lot of people wouldn't, wouldn't understand uh, what that process is with creating the rhythm and the beats as you were describing, which right. is, you know, a lot of poetry that modern poetry has sort of abandoned that as well. And so, I, I mean, I studied English literature, so I, I know the poetic line of like iambic yes. pentameter and all of those mm -hmm. things. But for children, you just assume that it's easy, right? And yeah, that's uh, the number one mistake. It's actually yeah. harder. <laughs> it's actually harder. <laughs> I find it easier to write for adults than for children. Um, my picture book manuscripts are the most revised things that I ever write. And draft one to draft 20, the story totally changes if you read it. They're two totally different stories um, because it just it morphs and morphs and morphs and morphs as I'm going along. And I I revise those more than anything else. <laughs> wow. 
what a process. Yes. So there's obviously unique challenges for authors who want to write for children's books. How do they how do they learn? I mean, are there places where they can study or courses for people that just want to write children's books? Absolutely. Um, so I would say there's lots of courses, there's books, there's resources. Make sure you're looking for children's. Um, the, the Society of uh, Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, SCBWI, is a great resource. Um, they focus more on traditional publishing. Um, so they won't go into the and you know, they'll only talk about like craft. Um, you won't get like working with illustrators and publishing and stuff because they're more traditional focused. But that's where I learned craft was through them. Um, writing picture books by um, Ann Whitford Paul. I just looked over to have it on my shelf. Writing picture books by Ann Whitford Paul is an excellent book. Um, there are lots of courses online. Um, uh, Brooke, uh, Brooke Van Sickle has several uh, courses online that she does that are, that are great. Um, so you can definitely find all kinds of stuff online. Just make sure that you're looking for children's and that it's, you know, like a credible um, source. Darcy Pat Pattison is another one that's excellent. Um, and she does, um, she indies her books. What was the name of the author that you mentioned that does the poetic ones that you mentioned earlier? Lindley Dodd. Lindley Dodd. Lindley? How do you spell Lindley? L-Y-N-L-Y-D-O-D-D. Yeah, oh, two Lindley Dodd. Yes. Awesome. Because I'm sure there'll be people out there that want to go and find one of those books and take their pen like you suggested. And, yes, mark it all up. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, it's been so delightful to hear your story and how you went from a elementary school teacher to a writer and publisher and you have your own publishing firm. What an exciting journey you've had. Now, you probably have your own children. And <laughs> so I got to ask, do your kids like your books? <laughs> they do. And what's interesting is I know which ones they like more than others. Um, and I, I always um, try to involve them in the process. So mm -hmm. I read my drafts to them. I, that I show them, you know, illustrators that I'm looking at. I will show them the, the sketches and the artwork. They'll see, look at the proof with me. Um, I send in free books to their class, you know, their classroom teachers and their school library and I'll sign them. And, and you know, so I'm, I try to really involve them. And my oldest is very interested in the whole process. My youngest is like, Meh, it's okay. But uh, my oldest is really interested. So they, they do enjoy it and they enjoy the process. And my oldest will even go with me to like table events and help me sell books. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> he's great. He's fantastic. He's, he's a blessing. Um, so that's been really fun and interesting. So anyone who is writing children's books, um, involving your children is, is actually pretty fun too. Um, just kind of showing them, here's what I'm doing and working on. And they get excited as well. Well, I, plus they're like a little miniature test marketing yes. uh, <laughs> right in your own house. Oh, that's fabulous. Thank you so much for joining me today, Ariel. And it's been a pleasure chatting with you. And now I'm going to go and find the book Grumbler because I want to see what he looks like. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you again for sharing with us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, you take care. So thank you so much for joining us at Buzz on Book Biz. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, could you give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast? That would be terrific. 
Information and links about today's guest are in the show notes. And if you'd like to connect with me, please visit my website, rochellewiseman.com. And my email is rochelle at rochellewiseman.com. So until next time, stay safe and read a good book. Bye for now.